Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. All right, I promised you we're going to talk a bunch of fishing in this uh, this second hour, and we are. We're also going to talk a little waterfall hunting a little bit, but right now, I want to go right to the phones, and joining us from Tightline Outdoors is Will Dykstra. Good morning, Will. Morning, Terry. How are you today? You know, I'm doing good. Our friend uh, Nate is out, and he is uh, um, he, he is hopefully going to be harvesting his sheep. Right. He is He is definitely uh, on his quest that he has been anxiously awaiting for. Yeah, I guess since he got the word that he got that tag, and uh, you know it's been it's been interesting. He's really pounded the uh, he's hit the gym hard, and he's been scouting a lot. And you know we talked about it from a hunting standpoint. You know when you're scouting, especially for a, a tag like this one in, in in particular, you probably spend more time scouting than you actually do hunting, and uh, that's something a lot of people don't necessarily think about. Well, and he had a setback too, because that fire area happened up there. And he actually had to, um, he actually had to do a little bit of changing of his area, I think. Yeah, you know the area that that uh, I think he had planned on hunting, uh, kind of, he got stuck in the unit. Well, we all know how Nate likes to scout and not being able to get into the wilderness area when there's a fire is is, is certainly a challenge. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's a good thing that there's uh, plenty of other ways to access that particular area, and hopefully. Uh, you know his his hard work scouting will pay off for him, and we'll uh, we'll uh, get to uh, hear a great story here soon. Well, we'll give him the day off from the radio. You know, he whines because we were on later. Now we're on earlier, and he takes time off from the show. But we're used oh, yeah. to that with him. But well, hope good luck to him. But we got you, and we're going to talk. The note I've got says dog days of August, or you should want to call them the hog days of August. Tell me about that. You know, so Terry, and we've talked about on the show a handful of times. I know last year around this time of year, we talked topwater pike and actually talked about a fish that was one of the biggest ones uh, that we'd put in the boat uh, from a weight standpoint and especially casting, uh, you know, up there at Spinney last year. But, you know, the reality of it is, is is a lot of people this time of year, I mean, it's hot. This is this is the hottest time of the year uh, weather-wise. And you know, that can be challenging sometimes, and a lot of people, you know, put the rods away um, either too early in the day um, after just fishing the low light conditions, or, um, you know, they, they go figure something else out altogether, whether, whether it be go hiking some high mountain streams to get away from the heat. You know, and the reality is, while, those are, while, while there's nothing wrong with doing that, you know, a lot of people miss out on opportunities to catch some of the biggest fish of the year. You know, we talk about in the springtime with pike. We talk, you know, in, in any of our fish, walleyes, you know, they're cold-blooded. So what happens when the water temps are cold? A lot of times these fish are going to be a little more lethargic. I mean, you can catch them. We catch a lot of big fish in the spring, a lot of big fish in the fall. But the reality is, is right now uh, these fish, their metabolism is higher than it is all year long. And, and it's, you know, their activity level, while you might have to cash in on certain windows, Um this is a great time of year to actually catch the biggest fish of the year because they're active and, and you can catch them a handful of different ways. And, you know, I, uh, we've talked about it with Chad before we've talked about it with Ronnie, you know, I, we love power fishing. We love fishing, you know, for that reaction st- uh, style of fishing or reaction bite. 
And these hog day or these dog days of summer that we call them, you know, I've, like I said, I've started talking with my customers on the boat saying they're the hog days because these are the days that you catch your biggest fish. You get to fish fast. You get to fish hard. And uh, there's not a whole lot of finesse involved, which is, you know, kind of the way I like to approach fishing in general, especially with myself, just because it's my personality type. I'm not I'm not very good at the whole finesse. Uh, fish slow that's probably why you're a, why you like to go after big predators exactly exactly you know and it's it's kind of a high risk high reward type of thing but the but the reality of it is is this time of year with the water temps the way they are whether you're fishing on the front range or whether you're fishing um up in the high country in these lakes in the high country you can really cash in on some of your biggest fish of the year and if you hit the windows right you can actually cash in on a lot of fish you know and and We've talked about it before, too, is, is I focus a ton on what the salooner calendar, what the t- salooner table is saying, and we're focusing on those feeding miners and those feeding majors throughout the day that are all revolving around what the moon's doing and what the sun's doing. And, you know, I'd say lately when you're, when you're fishing that moon underfoot, so basically it's the midday major, uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with this, um, it's basically a, a calendar or a table that tells you what the moon's doing and where the moon's at. And typically those feeding majors, which are the major, major feeding times of the day, as well as the minors, which are still better than the rest of the day, are typically revolved around what the moon's doing. So we're talking moon rise, moon set, moon underfoot, you know, and, and a lot of times that's when we cash in on these fish. And to give you a good example of that, um, at Spinning Mountain Reservoir the other day, you know, the bite was, was a little tougher. We were in post-frontal conditions. Uh, you know, we've had, we've had a ton of rain up there, a ton of, a ton of weather that kind of messes with these fish. I'd had four different wind shifts that day that weren't just breezes. I'm talking, you know, 25, 30 miles an hour. Um, at some at one point, we'd had wind come from all four different directions over the course of three hours, and that really messes with the fish. But all of a sudden, um, even though it was a, an east wind, a rise in barometric pressure, all of a sudden the fish kicked on for two, three hours, and that was basically because that was when the moon was right below us, the moon underfoot. And that's something to think about when fishing these summer days, the, the, the you know the heat days of the summer. Focusing on that will actually allow you to cash in on some of the biggest fish all year. We had two or three hours of complete mayhem catching giant rainbows on buzz baits we caught a lot of really nice pike you know 36 to 39 inch pike and it was all based off of that so with that said you know the the, the best thing you can do is do your research and try to figure out a calendar that is that's uh, accurate to your area and focus on being on your prime fishing spots during that time well, you know, I couldn't agree with you more. One of the things I want to point to to this time of the year, and you brought it up earlier, is that we focus on big fish in the spring because, like big female walleyes, because of the spawn in the spring, a lot of big fish become vulnerable that traditionally aren't found where the other fish are. You get back into the fall, they go on a bit of a feeding frenzy, the bait's different. One of the things I love about this period, there's about a six-week period. You get towards the end of July, well into August, where I like to call it, you know, where, where the summer peak is kind of settled down. But I like it's people don't understand why it's my one of my favorite times to fish. In fact, I almost always make a bass fishing trip back to Minnesota in the July-August time frame. And the reason I do that is because those fish 
are going to be predictably doing very similar things for about four to six weeks. Uh, even if you get, like you said, a front that comes through, it affects them, but not nearly as much. You get a little water clarity change, it affects them, but you kind of know how it's going to affect them. And But they, as far as their feeding, the bait is typically hatched, so that's stabilized. You know what they're feeding on, and they kind of get into that summer pattern, and it gets more predictable than probably any other time of the year. Yeah, there's there's no question. You know, you're not dealing with fish that could, you know, in, in the springtime, whether it's pike, whether it's walleyes, whether it's bass, um, you're you could be dealing with three different stages of fish. You know, so you could be dealing with a fish that's pre-spawn that's going to be active, not as active as a post-spawn fish, but that fish is still feeding. You're going to be dealing with with spawning fish that are not feeding, and then you're dealing with post-spawn fish that are absolutely railing. So. You know, with the summertime, like you said, these fish are all pretty much going to be doing the same thing. They're going to be in the same areas, and it's re- it, it's a lot easier to put together a program or a bite um, when the fish are doing that because, it, you know, your margin of error is, you know, it's a little bit larger. Well, I also think, too, that um, you talked about catching big fish. A lot of times the big fish have habits, too. They're not necessarily with the small fish. One of the things I think people can make on walleyes, this can be particularly true, is just because you're catching fish doesn't mean you're about to catch a big one, but the big fish are still predictable, but you have to be willing to sacrifice some bites to really go after them. Don't you think that's true? Oh, there, there's no question about it. And to give you a good example, you know, we just got back from our annual Lake of the Woods trip, and, you know, we could go out and sit on a, you know, we're doing a lot of walleye fishing now with the kids the age they are. So, you know, when we're targeting walleyes, you know, you can go out and sit on a, a, a deep point, 25, 30 feet of water, and catch a pile of walleyes that are, you know, 14 to 19, 20 inches are going to be the biggest, you know, and you're going to catch a bunch of them. And you're going to catch them every drop. It's, you know, it's fun, it's fast, act, it's fast action. But, you know, to target those bigger fish, we realized we had to go, you know, where are the bigger fish? Well, they're going to be in shallower, probably eating eating uh, some kind of uh, fish forage, whether it's perch, whether it's, you know, suckers, whatever it might be in, in that particular body of water. But uh, my mom actually put a, a 30-inch walleye in the boat while we were casting for pike because you're for, or for muskies on a big spinnerbait. But that's because that big walleye has a completely different habit than the juveniles or, or, or the smaller fish that aren't, that aren't necessarily um, feeding on the high – uh, you know, the, the, the meal that's, it's, it's a one shot meal per se versus, you know, sitting out on a deep point, eating a bunch of crayfish or a bunch of minnows, you know, those big fish like big food. So they're going to be in shallow where, where the, where some of the larger, uh, forage opportunities are. I'll tell you a little secret. I, one of my go-to baits and now, now lure manufacturers are actually making them. But years ago, before anybody did this, one of my go-to big walleye baits this time of the year was to take a spinner bait that I might throw for bass or pike take the skirt off it and put a swim bait tail on it and work that through the weeds. Not that we didn't catch pike and bass on that too, but right. that minnow shape instead of that skirt on the bottom of that spinner bait, I, I can't tell you how many big walleyes I caught shallow in the weeds with that. Yeah, there's, there's no question, you know, that, that putting, you know, a, a soft plastic trailer even on it, but when you remove that skirt, take away that bulkiness, it's a little bit more inside the wheelhouse of something a walleye might eat versus a pike. And, uh, Certainly is definitely, you know, a lot of guys have started doing that, Terry. In fact, they sell a lot of lures that that come out of the factory just like that. You know, I laugh sometimes about the newest, greatest things. A lot of times end up being things that a lot of us were doing 20 and 30 years ago. We just didn't tell anybody. (laughs) 
yeah, there's no question. You know, it's funny walking around ICAST and seeing all the new technology. I mean, there's some awesome stuff. We've talked about it with the stuff from Savage Gear that's just as realistic as it gets. But then there's some of these other companies that, you know, you look and you walk by and go, boy, that's a new product. And, you know, and it is, but it's because nobody ever developed it because you could make it in your garage. Right. And it's it caught fish all year long. It caught, you know, it caught fish pretty much in any situation. You know, like you said, all you have to do is, I mean, you could take a spinnerbait essentially and catch fish with it all year long, but you might have to modify it as the year progresses. Hey, before we run out of time, why don't you kind of take us through, somebody's ready, whether it's a guide trip with you or they just want to go on their own, take us through some of the bites you're seeing and where people should maybe head this week. You know, I'd say definitely right now, this is a great time of year to, to get up into the mountains, into some of these uh, reservoirs up here, whether it's Spinney, 11 Mile. Um, Terry All is fishing really well for pike right now. Williams Fork is fishing really well for pike. You know, and you do have those cooler nights. It does help the, the, the water temperature a little bit and keeps those fish from being, you know, over, almost too lethargic when the water temp gets too high. Uh, but right now, we've got a great trout bite going up at Spinney and Antero. Um, throwing uh, spoons, you know, Tasmanian devils have been definitely the ticket this year, as well as, you know, the typical white tube jig. And again, the key with fishing this time of year is you got to fish fast. You're, we're incurring that reaction, that kind of natural response for these fish to chase something. So um, definitely I'd look at hitting the South Park area, um, Spinney and Anteros, uh, particularly you're, you're looking at 30 to 80 upwards of 100 fish days depending on 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 the day you know antero you're going to catch a bunch of fish 14 to 18 inches and spinny you're probably going to catch you know 20 to 25 fish but they're all going to be 18 to 25 inches so that bite's absolutely railing right now the pike bite like we've said it a million times i this is my favorite time of year top water has been definitely uh the first few hours of the day and then the last few hours of the day has been prime um mid mid midday we're throwing spinner baits and and some more reaction style baits uh, kind of grinding them through the weeds and uh definitely you know great time here to be fishing in south park the front range we're catching uh it's actually we got a great smallmouth bite going on right now at chatfield reservoir and we're kind of in a little bit of a transition with the walleyes right now but you can definitely catch them there's a ton of shad both at chatfield cherry creek um you know so you got to try to you know pay attention to your electronics if you're fishing from a boat use uh you know, fish around the bait, but uh, don't get discouraged because there's a lot of food out there. These fish are still feeding. Those catfield fish needed a big shad hatch like this, and they are definitely uh, beefing up, but we're catching a lot of nice fish, whether it's uh, trolling crankbaits or even throwing some swim baits in shallow. So those are kind of the bites that I would say you want to focus on right now. Definitely, like we said, a great time of year to target some of those larger fish. If you're really after a big walleye, um, you could go out there and chase them at night right now, throwing a big, you know, something that thumps really well. So like a big, you know, three to five inch paddle tail swim bait, uh, working it, just swimming it back. And, and that's basically going to be your, your ticket to catching a big walleye, especially after dark. All right. Will, thank you so much. If people want to book a trip, Tightline Outdoors on Facebook and tightlineoutdoors.com. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. All righty. Thanks, Terry. You bet. Will Dykstra from Tightline Outdoors. We're going to take a quick time out. We're going to talk more fishing with Brad Peterson right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Sandy Clef here to tell you about SCL Mortgage Special Circumstance Lending, locally owned and operated. And if you're self-employed or work on commission, this is the place for you. Bank statement loans are back. You don't need tax returns to do your loan. In some cases, the bank statement loans can be done with credit scores in the low 600s. MySpecialMortgage.com. 
Tom on the web. 303-790-2222, the phone number, SCO Mortgage, licensed by the Colorado Department of Regulatory Agencies, number 12007161. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going to talk more fishing, going right to the phones, where we are joined by a frequent contributor, guide. Uh, he's been an angling educator, a tournament fisherman, Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. So uh, it's a beautiful day out there today. It is. It's even better in the water. I was able to sneak out for a little bit this morning. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm in here. Um, hey, um, but we've been talking. <laughs> we've been talking a lot about about what uh, what's going on this time of the year and how it kind of settles into some patterns and things like that. What are you seeing out there, Brad? Yeah, I'm seeing we're really into our late summer, um, kind of early fall patterns. And the fish, the nice thing about this time of year is once you figure out the pattern, they kind of stay with it. The big trick is there's so much bait out here, you're going to have to do something to trigger bites more often than, than just getting fish to feed because they're hungry. You know, that's kind of, we kind of talked about that with Will a little bit, and he was talking about it. He was talking more about pike and trout up at Spinney, but he says he's power fishing. He said, I'm going for a reaction strike. He said, and Will admits that finesse isn't his, his game, and I've always been kind of a finesse fisherman, so I really have to reel back the tactics this time of the year because that reaction bite is a lot different than when you put that soft plastic or when you just finesse them, isn't it? Oh, it is. You know, they're going to slam it uh, on the reaction-style bait. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of great stuff for, for your bass, your uh, white bass, your walleyes down here along the plains, uh, between snap digging, um, lead core trolling, where you're, you're actually getting the bait down and hitting the bottom, bouncing it off, making it do something erratic, or speeding it up quite a bit. It's not uncommon to be trolling this time of year at three to three and a half miles an hour because you want that lure to all of a sudden just come by and that fish just they don't even think about it it's pure reaction they strike it and that's how you're going to catch most of your fish right now and you know there's some good fish being caught this time of year could take us through a few of the waters you fished or that you've heard reports from and maybe some tactics or particular to those lakes well you know i know there's a good bite going on at uh Cherry Creek right now, it's kind of your typical snap jigging plastics, uh, jigging wraps, uh, blade baits up in the shallows early before the, the traffic gets too heavy out there. The same kind of thing is going on out at uh, Boyd right now. I know I had a guide trip out there on Monday, and we were able, with some snap jigging and uh, spooning, we were able to get a, a nice bag of walleyes including a 25 inch fish uh, i talked to people that were up at uh, horse tooth and horse tooth a small mouth that moved a little deeper so you can use a little bit of finesse still on the small mouth they're catching them on tubes and drop shots but the walleye guys are are catching them on spinners and then there's a real good bite still going on out at jumbo out east people are catching you know a combination of walleye crappie uh, catfish out there right now that eastern plains we've had enough water that those lakes have stayed up at a reasonable level so you're able to launch your boat and still catch quite a few fish out there um, what about jackson lake we had them on earlier and the word was that people are getting people in boats are getting quite a few walleyes at jackson 
You know, I, I personally haven't been out to Jackson recently, but we were out there, oh, about four weeks ago for the last tournament of the year, and it was really good. The key for us seemed to be pulling lead core at about two to two and a half miles an hour with a little bit bigger uh, size number seven crankbaits in that six to 13 foot depth. And the really important thing is you just find the right depth that the fish are in, you know, use your electronics, key in on that, and then kind of work it pretty hard. The bite wasn't fast and furious, but I mean, by 1230, um, we had our eight fish in the box for the tournament and had to go in. I bet you we'd caught 20 fish that morning. So yeah. it's a really good bite to fish out there, especially the fish over 18 inches are looking really healthy. And that's a fishery that the state's done a really good job managing the last three, four years. And the quality of walleyes out there is really good. Now let's talk about a few of these other ways to approach this too. One of the, um, one of the things, a lot of people just aren't set up to troll. A lot of bass fishermen want to go after these walleyes and they don't have a kicker or a good way to control their boat. Uh, if you find a concentration, can you cast crankbaits to them or can't you get them deep enough? How is that? How would that be working? You know, if you're going to cast crankbaits, one of the hot techniques here the last few years is cat casting the rattle baits, like, uh, you know, the Rappala Rip and Wrap or the old uh, Rattle Trap, which a lot of the bass guys are going to have. Let that bait actually get to the bottom, and then you're going to jig it back off the bottom. So let it get there and give it a good snap, get that bait to vibrate, and then let it flutter back down to the bottom. That has been a really good presentation, and actually it produces a lot of good-sized fish. Now, I know a technique that you use a lot and one that Austin Parr seems to have tied on 90% of the time, and that's using the um, the baits like the Johnny Darter, the Jigging Wrap, uh, the Slider kind of baits. Are you, would those be effective in these bites? You know, I think right now those, those are definitely going to be catching fish. Anytime, once those fish move a little deeper, your Jigging Wraps or stuff like that, are going to catch fish. Uh, the key, again, is using your electronics to try to find those fish, fish them. You're looking for the active fish. So if you fish a group of fish for 20, 30 minutes, and they haven't, uh, you don't have a fish, there hasn't been a bite, head off and find another group of fish because those fish may have just fed real heavy on a school of shad, and maybe you need to come back another two, three hours later. But that's a great presentation. Um, horse tooth, you can get on some deep walleyes this time of year. You know, we get them in later in the fall um, at, at Boyd on that. You know, you can even catch some right now doing it. Uh, Pueblo, it's a great location. Chatfield. So it, from now on, that presentation is one that I'm going to have tied on at least one rod just about anywhere I go. Any particular size or color you use a lot? I'm sticking with the number sevens or number nines, mainly because the depth that I'm fishing and I'm targeting larger fish. Um, if you want to go with trout and crappies, you can go downsize to the number fives. And then I kind of go with three color spectrums, uh, the chrome or, or a, a metal looking color, um, more of one that has a white base to it, a, a white body with some sort of coloration on it. And then your bright colors, your fire tigers, your stuff like that. Now, Those last, are, if, no, go ahead. If you have a couple in each one of those spectrums, it seems like one of those will work. Um, it's not a guarantee that all of them will work. Uh, you know, Monday, it was 
in the afternoons, it was chrome. You, you needed to have chrome out there. I tried other stuff, and you couldn't get a bite. You dropped chrome down there, and, and you caught fish. Now, one last quick question, because then we're going to take a break, and you and I are going to change subjects. But you mentioned the white bass. To me, when these white bass get going and places like John Martin and Boyd. Uh, it can be one of the most phenomenal fishing, especially for the weekend angler that doesn't get out a lot. What are you seeing with the white bass? Is it a surface bite? Or are they deep? I'll take Boyd, for example. What do you see in the white bass doing? The white bass, the, the shadow right now, about the size of like a number four crankbait. They're just over an inch, inch and a half long. And the shad have not really started boiling yet on the surface. I think that'll come in the next two weeks. So I would tell people to be trolling crankbaits in that 10-foot depth over the deep water, I think is where you're going to find most of your schools of shad. There's been a phenomenal shad hatch out here at Boyd. And the deep water, right now people are picking up an occasional shad, but not a ton of them, or occasional white bass, but not a ton of them. All right, so that bite should just take off in a couple of weeks. And when they, you know, you got to have some patience. But when they start boiling, it can be almost a fish on every cast. We'll cover that more in the next couple of weeks. Brad, I'm going to put you on hold. We're going to take a time up. We're going to change subjects. You're also um, very renowned in the waterfall world. And I want to talk a little bit about getting ready right now for waterfall season. Well, and let's not forget about the fishing career workshop, Terry. Oh, yeah. Let's, yeah. When we go ahead and cover that real quick. Real quick, um, last year uh, I helped out with Al and Troy Lindner put on a, a workshop for anyone interested in having a job or learning more about the fishing industry. They had, you know, 12 speakers. It's a one-day event held up in northern Minnesota, kind of in your old stomping grounds in Brainerd. Uh, this year it's going to be October 27th at uh, Madden's on Gold Lake. If they want some information, they can go to mycampfish.com or call 800 800- Three seven eight fifty ninety five, and there's some great speakers: uh, Jason Mitchell, uh, Jeff Gustafson, uh, FLW Pro, uh, Tom Newstrom. Uh, so there's a lot of great guys who are making their living in the industry, and they're there to help you figure out it, whether you want to do it, you know, or maybe it's a second career option you want to do. There is a uh, early bird special that ends August 20th, and that has uh, depth finders, fishing rods, reels, some great stuff. So if you're interested, sign up early. Again, that check uh, mycampfish.com, and that'll be able to get you a lot of the information. And that's about your own career in the outdoor industry, and the, the whole idea of this uh program is to help people get started in a career in the outdoors. Brad, I'll yep, put you—go ahead. Yep, and look at different things, you know, guiding, promotions— lure manufacturer, sales rep, uh, tourism. So a lot of different options that maybe people don't traditionally think of as a fishing career opportunity. All right, I'm going to put you on hold, and we'll come back and talk waterfall. Sounds good. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports. Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going right back to the phones. Once again, we're speaking with Brad Peterson. We've been talking fishing, but Brad has also been very involved in the waterfowl industry. 
Um, he used to run some of the major calling contests. He's been associated with many of the manufacturers, not to mention he's an avid enthusiast of outdoor uh, waterfall hunting. Brad, um, this is going to be kind of a short segment. What I want to do is tease because I think what I'd like to do is maybe in the next few weeks sometime get you in the studio and line up some of the national experts that you hang out with and do a show just on this. But I have a, a few things I just want to kind of ask you about. First, if I'm a waterfall hunter in Colorado, whether I'm new or whether I've been doing it or I'm new, do I really have adequate opportunity in Colorado to to enjoy the sport? Terry, you absolutely do. Colorado, we are really blessed. The Colorado Parks and Wildlife since the 70s has really targeted the South Platte drainage for getting access, whether that's purchasing land or leases. So the amount of hunting that we have basically from Fort Morgan to the state line, I would say 40% of the river is open to the public for waterfowl hunting opportunities. And there's ponds in there, rivers, there's some lakes that you can hunt. So the duck hunting opportunities for the public in the state of Colorado is absolutely tremendous. Now, suppose I'm I'm new um, there's a few things I'm going to have to get. Maybe I have nothing. I, maybe I don't have a dog or I don't have a, a gun. Let's start with, you know, the basics. I got to have a shotgun. What do you recommend? You know, for waterfall hunting, I, a, a 12-gauge shotgun that will shoot three-inch shells will work just perfect, especially I would recommend one that's got a modified to an improved cylinder choke or a screw-in choke system. Uh, that gun will kill ducks, geese, whatever you want to hunt just perfectly you don't need anything bigger and so i'm going to recommend that uh, i would also say you need to pick up some decoys well let's, be, a, before we move on from the gun what about yeah. action are you going to look for a pump an automatic semi-automatic what are you going to recommend you know i'm i'm more of a pump guy uh, just because of the reliability of the pump a lot of our waterfowl hunting happens in real sandy ground and really cold conditions. So I'm either going to go pump or, you know, some people I know shoot semi-autos just know that in the cold conditions, you need to keep a semi-auto really clean and properly uh, what I would call like a dry lube on there. You don't want any real heavy oil on there because that, once it gets water in there, will start to freeze up. So either one of those actions are going to work great. It's going to give you that third shell opportunity, which sometimes comes in is a big benefit when you're out waterfowl hunting. Okay, so now I've got the gun. You mentioned you mentioned some camo. Yeah, uh, you know, and camo doesn't have to be expensive. Just some sort of a, a camo uh, coat and hat. Uh, I know guys that have even used uh, camouflage burlap and cut holes and made kind of a poncho out of it. Uh, sometimes I think we, we get stuff and we make it, you know, too complicated. There's fantastic jackets out there by Drake and, you know, Sitka and all that, you don't have to go spend $400 on a waterfowl jacket. You can go put your normal winter coat under there, grab a camouflage coat that maybe is one size too big so you can fit your other layers underneath it, and that'll keep you warm and get you out there and get you started. What about calls? Now, we all hear that waterfall hunting is such a calling sport. You used to judge some of the national championships for calling. Uh, do I, what do I need to be able to call, and how long will it take me to learn to at least be adequate? Calling uh, really adds to the enjoyment of the sport because you're actually getting the birds to come in to you. I wouldn't say it's absolutely necessary, but I would say it does definitely increase your success. Calling, it's going to take, you know, 
three, four weeks to get uh, a good handle on it, but we've got that amount of time before it starts. I just did a post on my Facebook page, Brad Peterson Outdoors, last night about how to select a duck call, the difference between a single and a double read, what the different makes, uh, uh, materials are, what the benefits are and the disadvantages of each. So if someone was going to go look for a call, just real simple, I would say if you're starting out, get a double read duck call probably made out of wood or a, a plastic material. Those are going to be a little bit more forgiving, a little bit softer, and a double read is going to be a little bit easier to learn to start off. And then there's some great tapes out there. And, um, you know, I've had people ask me about doing calling instruction, and I've decided I'm going to do it. And so if anyone wants to contact me on Facebook, I will give them $5 off on a lesson if they mention Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. All right. Now, so, we, get the, we get the calling down. We get them the 5 bucks off, and you're going you're gonna to teach them calling. But what? Now, when I shoot a duck, now, geese, a lot of times you hunt in fields, so you can retrieve those right. yourself. But on ducks, if you're hunting over water, do I need a dog, waders, a boat? What do I need to do? Typically in Colorado, we're not doing a lot of situations where you need a boat. So I would say waders, preferably chest waders, but you can get by with hip waders. And the other thing, if you don't have a dog, carry is a, a fishing rod with heavy line and a topwater lure. If you get out too deep past your waders, cast the lure out there and just bring it back and snag the bird in. So, I mean, that's, that's an option that works. Dogs are great, but, uh, you know, dogs take a lot of effort to keep them trained and up there. But uh, if, you, if you're looking for a family dog, you can get a lab or a golden retriever. They're great family dogs and phenomenal waterfowl dogs. Now, we've given them a tease, Brad. I want you to start thinking about this because in the next few weeks, I want to set up a show where we really focus on it, where we get some of your sponsors and some of the national people you know to come on and really we'll spend we'll get people up to speed because we've got some time we need to do it now where they can get up to speed so sometime in august maybe we'll try to do that before i let you go real quickly tell them again about the outdoor career seminar yeah that's the fishing career workshop it's happening october 27th in brainerd minnesota it's $250. Now, uh, that includes your meal, a full one day. And if you get a, a free 14 to 18-year-old participant with a paid adult. So it actually can be for two people, maybe if you have a child that's interested in it. Uh, Alan is going to kind of be hosting the event. Troy Lindner is going to be there. Uh, you know, I know you know Jason Mitchell from the ICE team. Uh, he's going to be out there talking about guide service and pro staff. Like I say, there's, there is 12 different people going to be there talking about different career options throughout the day. If you've ever thought about getting into the fishing industry or you've got a youngster who's interested in it, this is probably the premier event in the country to go out and see. And you can fly up to the Twin Cities real easy, rent a car, no problem, get up there, see the great fishing country. And if you pick an extra day or two, I'm sure there's some guys that could put you on some great fishing up there. Okay, a couple, and, uh, yeah, a couple yeah, things, too. Go ahead. Well, and to get more information, go to MyCampFish.com. Yeah, and a couple things, too. First, Al owes me because he keeps using me for a promotional outlet. Second of all, great guys. I mean, the Linders are some of the most wonderful people in the outdoor industry. They're truly 
genuine wonderful people. Jason Mitchell's been on my television show before. He, like you said, the ice team kind of thing. So a lot of big name people up there. And Brad, again, you're calling. You're going to give calling instructions. Five dollars off if they mention Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. How do they? Yep. Where do they go? Go to Brad Peterson Outdoors on Facebook, or they can call me at three zero three eight two nine. Three nine nine eight. All right, we got to run. Give Ronnie some time. Brad, we'll talk again very soon. All right, thanks, Terry. You bet. Uh, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going right to the phones, and joining us to talk more fishing is Ronnie Castiglione. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, Terry. How are you doing this morning? You know, I'm doing well. And a couple weeks ago. You were at my house for dinner, and uh, you posted. I don't know if we posted or I think you posted a picture on Facebook. We had just iCast had just ended, and Berkeley had sent a couple boxes to us of some of, of the new lures they introduced just year, and it looked like a dump truck had dumped a load in front of you of fishing gear. I saw that picture. I think we agreed that no one person was going to do a fair job of testing all those lures by themselves. But you've been out giving it a try. I understand. Yeah, Terry. I mean, Berkeley definitely came to ICAST with a whole bunch of new SKUs, uh, well over 100 new SKUs. And so they had a variety of new baits at the show, all kinds of new color. Now, they did some on some of the some of the pre-existing lines of, of baits that they had. They, they just kind of modified, came up with some new color patterns and new sizes and stuff like that. But they had a whole new lineup of all new stuff that they came up with for this year that's that's all hitting the market here, uh, I, I believe, next month, Terry. I think the release date's uh, somewhere in the beginning of September is when this stuff's supposed to be on the shelves or at least available online. But, yeah, you got you got, you got got a huge box of all these new baits. Chad got a huge box of all these new baits. So we've all been out kind of playing with them and, and running through them. And there's, there's definitely a few that caught my eyes right off the bat. You know, I've been able to get out on Boyd recently and utilize a lot of these new uh, these new lures that they've come out with. So I just kind of want to cover a few of those real fast today, Terry. All right, take us through them. So let's talk about one of the first ones I got out and utilized that, that caught my eye right away, Terry, which is a, a called the Wake Bull. This is a hard-body crankbait type of bait. But it's designed to run as a wake bait, Terry. So a wake bait is a bait that's designed to be just real, right, barely under the surface, Terry. You don't reel it real fast. You, you reel it relatively slow to medium pace. You keep your rod tip relatively high, and it just wiggles right under the surface of the water. Maybe the back of the lure every now and then breaks the surface of the water. Wake baits are cool baits, Terry, and when you get on a wake bait bite, it can be a lot of fun. A lot of times for largemouth, what I see, Terry, is I see that real early in the morning, they'll come up and they'll absolutely blast surface lures. So working a frog or a walking bait or a popper or something like that works really, really well. Then there tends to be kind of an area where they stop really getting the surface lures as good. They're still willing to come up, but they're not coming up like crazy. And they want something that's just barely under the surface, Terry. So a wake bait fits that kind of a deal. You can throw that thing out there. You don't have to have a whole heck of a lot of skill. Uh, this new wake bait that they came out with, the Wake Bull, what I like about it is it's, it's really kind of bulletproof. It's kind of a no-brainer. It works. Its action is, is just kind of all imparted by itself. You don't have to do a whole heck of a lot. A kid can go out there and use this thing and just basically reel it back in at the right speed. Uh, make sure that you're, you're casting it. You don't want to cast a wake bait up into heavy cover, but 
in around cover or submerged grass. It works really well. That new wake bull, we've already had a lot of success at Boyd on that thing, Terry. The largemouth are coming up and getting that thing. They make it in a, two different sizes. They're going to be doing it in a 60 and a 70. For me, for the largemouth, I like the 70. It's a little bit bulkier. It floats on the surface. It moves a little bit more water. Uh, I think folks are really going to like that wake bull, Terry. All right. Now another one that's kind of similar along those same lines, Terry, is the is the Driftwalk 110. So now when the fish are willing to come up to the surface, they are out there chasing bait or something like that, or early in the morning they're willing to come up. That Driftwalk 110, that's a that's a cigar style walking bait, Terry. So it's designed to stay right up on the surface. You have to impart the ash into the walking bait, Terry. So people got to understand if they're if they're not familiar with working a walking bait, they need to get out with somebody that can show them how to do it. You got to be able to throw that slack at it to get that thing to slash back and forth. The beauty of the Driftwalk 110, um, size-wise, 110 millimeters, uh, this bait is relatively thin diameter, so it's, 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 a pretty, it's not a real big, bulky surface lure, Terry. It's relatively thin. It's actually kind of, kind of squished down. It's a little wider than it is tall. And so that design, and in that 110 size, it's really, really easy to walk, Terry. You get that thing out there, it floats so high in the water, it sits right up on top of the water so perfectly that it does not take a whole lot of skill to get that thing to slash back and forth. You just got to get the timing down. But it's the perfect size for Colorado, in my opinion, Terry. You know, it's kind of a tweener size between some of the smaller, uh, let's say some of the Sammies or things like that, the littler size Sammies that come in like a 90 it's kind of a tweener size between the 90 and the 120 that a lot of companies make uh, i like that tweener size terry it's not too big it's not too small i can huck it a long distance and the fish at horse tooth have absolutely been destroying this walking bait chad's been putting up some videos i've been up there fishing this presentation so that drift walk 110 folks are really going to like that when they can get their hands on it now one other one terry and these are all kind of you know surface lures sort of kind of oriented baits that i chose to, to go over the other one that i got out and i utilized the boy the other day and i really liked how it performed was the spin bomb 60 so this is a 60 millimeter size bait so this is kind of a smaller one terry it's kind of a shrunk down surface lure. But basically what they did, Terry, is they, they took the body of a crankbait. So just kind of a, a shower running square bill style crankbait. They took that body and then they, they, they took the bill off the front of it and they added uh, props to both ends of it. So it has real small, clear plastic props on the front and the back with a little feather hanging off the back as well. Real small kind of condensed body that looks like a little crankbait designed to be worked right on the surface, Terry. Uh, that bait's a cool bait, Terry. We get out and through that thing and we were throwing it around some white bass on Boyd and that thing's awesome for exactly that Terry it's small the white bass will come up and get it it doesn't take a lot of action to be imparted to it from the rod so you can you can basically huck that thing out there and just reel it in real fast you can also huck it out there and you can kind of work it like a popper where you're ripping it and pausing ripping it and pausing it's going to throw off a bunch of water it's going to leave a little bubble trail it's got a real high pitched sound to it as far as the props go Terry it's got a lot of things going for it. They've got a lot of different cool colors for it. 
the white bass were jumping all over that. The largemouth ate that thing the other day as well, Terry. That's a presentation right there. I think trout are potentially going to eat that presentation as well, Terry. So that, that spin bomb 60, that's a cool bait. An excellent one for the youngsters, Terry. A great presentation to get out there with the kids. You get to one of these ponds, one of these smaller bodies of water around town, that kind of a thing. Hand that spin bomb at 60 to a kid and tell them to throw it out there right next to the trees and just kind of reel around and, and, and the fish will come up and they'll destroy it, Terry. So those are the three I really kind of focused on and been out and had a lot of success with here lately, Terry. All right. Well, we're running out of time, but I, I agree with you. And I'm excited that white bass bite should just get better and better. And uh, you and I got to go out and fish that. Yeah, Terry, it is starting to go, but it's going in real like short spurts right now kind of a deal. And the, the big thing when you're looking for those white bass, you know, we try to find them early in the morning and we try to find them in the evening. And a lot of times it's been my experience that if you get out there in the morning and they're not going, then they're likely going in the evening. And if you get out there in the evening and they're not going, then they may be going in the morning. So you just kind of play with those two times. If it seems like you're not running into them, then maybe shift it and come in the evening, that kind of thing, if you're not seen in the morning. But, yeah, the white bass are getting going and they are a lot of fun and they're really, really tasty. All right. We got to go, Ronnie, but great stuff. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again very soon. All right, Terry. Have a good one. You bet. Ronnie Castiglione, you're listening to Terry Wisham Outdoors. It's going to wrap up this week. Remember, we're back. If you missed the first hour, we're back to our 9 to 11 time frame. If you want to know what's going on in this show or on my column in the Denver Post, follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. A lot of the information from this show ends up there, a lot of previews of what's coming up. We're going to be covering a lot of hunting and a lot of fishing getting into the fall. we got a lot of outdoors coming up. Join us every Saturday. And now stay tuned as DMAX is going to take us to training camp right here on 104.3 The Fan. Thanks,